I'm Jarrett Murphy from CityLimits.org. And this is Ben Max from Gotham Gazette. Jarrett, good to see you. How are you doing? I'm doing very well in a good beautiful sh- spring week. Absolutely. And uh, exciting show lined up for today. It is, actually. People may not think so, but we're talking about Charter Revision, which is the city's constitution, which is very important to how our government operates day to day and election to election. We will have on Gail Benjamin, who is the chairwoman of this year's commission and a very experienced operator within city government in a lot of different phases. And then Carol Kellerman, who heads the Citizens Budget Commission, has been a voice in this process, certainly on the pages of GothamGazette.com, reacting as someone who, especially from the position of being a budget watchdog, really does follow how the levers of government operate in New York City. So we'll be focusing on that through most of the show. Yeah, it'll be very interesting to hear from uh, the chair of the commission, Gail Benjamin, as to where the commission is at now in terms of getting the staff report that's now out and where they head before they make ballot proposals to the voters in November for how to change the structure of city government and some of the key pieces of how city government operates. And then Carol Kellerman uh, always has interesting perspectives on city issues, especially related to budgeting. And so we'll get her perspective coming up. And so now let's welcome Gail Benjamin. She's the chairwoman of the 2019 Charter Revision Commission, uh, which just uh, has released its uh, staff recommendations this week. And uh, we're very pleased to be joined by Ms. Benjamin. Welcome to Maxim Murphy. Thank you very much. I'm glad to be on. Thanks for joining us. So before we jump into some of the specifics of what the staff of your commission has now recommended to you and the commissioners and what you might be pursuing moving forward, just give listeners, um, if you would, just a little bit of an overview of, of sort of how this commission came together and what you were tasked with doing. Okay. That's a great place to start. Um, as you know, the charter is the governing document of New York City, and it describes how the city functions, what agencies there are, what their duties and responsibilities are, um, who is responsible for which things within government. Um, Prior to 1989, there was a balanced government um, with a mayor, a board of estimate, which was represented um, by the five borough presidents, the controller, the then council president, and the mayor. Uh, In 1989, as you know, that was declared, the voting system was declared non-constitutional. And the Charter Revision Commission, led by Fritz Schwartz, had to come up with a new governing document for the city of New York that did not include the Board of Estimate. Um, That document has been our governing document since. Uh, It was voted. uh, There were two questions, and it was voted in 1989 by the public. Since then, there have been a number of commissions appointed by the mayor, the latest of which was last year. Um, And there were three questions that were put before the public and that were ultimately adopted in November of last year. After that commission, um, a number of the elected officials felt that they wanted to see a more robust discussion of the charter and changes that may have occurred both in the city and in government since 1989. And as a result of that, under state law, the council is permitted to also establish a Charter of Vision Commission. And the council did so, um, giving representation to each one of the nine elected officials, the three citywide officials, public advocate, controller, and mayor, as well as the speaker 
and the five borough presidents. So there are a total of nine persons who appoint members to a 15-member commission. Um, the legislation was enacted, and I was appointed, and the commission began on July 1st of last year. Um, and we've been, I believe, hard at work taking a look at the charter itself, the changes in both the city and in governance since 1989 and the more recent charter revisions. Um, we've had five public hearings, one in each borough, to solicit comments from the public. Uh, once we had those comments, we also sent letters far and wide to both agency heads within the city, to organizations that had spoken, to authorities that may have had information, and tried to solicit from a fairly wide group, including on our mm -hmm. Facebook, Snapchat, and other social media, as well as our website. Um, we received, I wouldn't say an overwhelming number of comments, uh, but we received a healthy number of comments and suggestions, which the commissioners went through, and we then adopted uh, several criteria by which we would examine what had been proposed. Were there any, uh, just to interject for a second, I'm curious, were there any really crazy suggestions that, <laughs> that stick out of your mind? Uh, <laughs> not, not in case the person who wrote it, maybe not crazy, bad crazy, but maybe good crazy, if they're listening. Anything um, you remember? I'm trying to think of the crazy, but offhand I can't. Most of the folks who seem to get engaged by charter revision commissions are, <laughs> you know, they're they're sort of the city government uh, wonks who are taking it pretty pretty seriously, I guess. That's true. But I'm well, curious, given know. given the the, I mean, one thing I've wondered um, looking at your work over the past year is, you know, the breadth of the portfolio of the remit you are given, as you mentioned, really the the broadest look at city government that really has been approached since 1989. Was that um, was that a blessing? Was that a curse to have that much canvas to operate in? Um, how did you manage that? Because that's a, that's a pretty big field to play on. Well, I, everything's a blessing and a curse. It <laughs> depends which day of the week you're looking at it. Um, the remit was quite large. Um, and that was challenging. Um, but given the breadth of experience and knowledge of the 15 commissioners, I think we had a pretty good handle on the kind of breadth of the charter, and the staff has been amazing. And so let's um, let's just remind people. I think you were heading there, but just in terms of where we're at exactly right now, this week with the staff, the preliminary staff report coming out is mm -hmm. it's still a fairly big field that you're playing on, um, but things have been narrowed a little bit, and the commission now has this document, this staff report that has a bunch of recommendations about areas to continue to examine, and so we're going to jump into some of the specifics there. But just in terms of the larger process, you now have this staff report. The commissioners have it. You as chair, you have it. And just broadly speaking, where do we head from here? And then we'll talk about some of the specifics. Okay. Broadly speaking, and I know that time is of the essence, so I will <laughs> move quickly. Um, we have a series of hearings again on the staff report, one in each borough in the next few weeks. 
Um, we will also be doing additional research in the areas that staff has outlined where research would prove more fruitful to, to deciding where, if any place, is the sweet spot where we believe we can do something that's meaningful. Um, once we have that next round, the commissioners are going to have to start voting on those proposals that they believe should rise to the level of being presented to the public to vote on. Um, sometime in June, we will actually vote on a set of proposals that would be presented to the public. Um, those would be transformed into legislative documents. And in early August, it would have to be before we would have to present them to the Board of Elections for inclusion in the ballot in November. We lost a month because of the recent Albany changes with early voting. Aha. Interesting. Interesting. So, um, yeah, so folks should know, and we went over this a little bit before bringing you on, but that the ballot proposals that your commission winds up coming up with will be on their ballot in November. Uh, it's a little bit tricky. We won't really uh, push you know you to weigh in on this, but you know it's a little bit tricky that this November, there's really not that much on the ballot. So it's going to be important that the commission really um, gets this information out there and really you know pushes the public to pay attention and go vote yes or no on these proposals. Proposals um, that could significantly alter city government, um, you know, throughout Absolutely. New York City. I mean, we are the only elections that will be that will occur this November that we're aware of now are the public advocate again, mm -hmm. um, the city council seat for Jamani Williams' seat, now public advocate, right? Um, possibly the DA. Right. There's a few DA races, but we don't even know if they'll be contested in the general election. Right. 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 So it's impossible to know at this stage anything other than the first two that I've said. And if there are other council members who decide to move on, that would be on. But you're right. It's going to be incumbent on us to make people aware of it, to keep encouraging them to be a part of this to come out and vote, to express their opinions so that when they see the ballot, they will want to be a part of this. Right. And that's why, you know, as the staff report comes out this week, we're asking you to join us so we can start really, you know, we've been covering the commission's work a lot at Gotham Gazette, obviously, to keep people informed on what's going on. But we wanted to have you on to really start planting the seed for our listeners, at least, and, and anybody else we can attract to listen to this uh, episode that, um, you know, people start paying attention to what's on the docket and then they can come to your next round of borough hearings. So let's, so let's uh, entice people to pay attention to the topic <laughs> at hand. So what are some highlights as far as your concern in terms of the topics that the staff of the commission has, has now urged the commissioners to consider further? What are a few of the, the top line notes? Well, certainly one thing that we heard a lot about was apathy in voting and voting itself within the city and how to encourage more people to be involved. And we heard different schemes in different ways. Um, but one of the ones that has clearly intrigued many people is ranked voting as both a way to involve people in a non-winner-take-all way um, so that people can indicate choices, not just that guy, and if it's not him or her, my vote doesn't count. Mm -hmm. 
Um, so that's certainly one that many have been interested in. And that helps uh, avoid the runoff elections that we've seen here and there over the over the course right. of the and city's voting. Had two for the public advocate. Right. So I think people are going to be very well aware that in those kinds of races, that it's both a very low turnout. Not many people really come out or... And um, as a result of that, the candidate is never a robust winner in many ways. Um, so that's one that I think a lot of people have been interested in. I know Absolutely, that you've yeah. been following us, so I know you're aware of the police accountability issues and that uh, there was there were quite a few... Uh, presentations in each one of the boroughs, and then we, in fact, had one of our expert panels on those issues. Um, they're very compli- complicated because there are both discipline issues, union issues, fairness issues, both for complainants and officers. There are many people and entities involved in the CCRB. Um, But I think it's fair to say that that was an issue that seemed to be of importance to a large number of the participants in our hearings. And it it seems like uh, one of the issues on the table there uh, is strengthening the CCRB, um, possibly, or recommending that the CCRB is strengthened to voters for approval or disapproval. And then there's a question also of um, the issue of of having the police commissioner more clearly explain when they deviate from the uh, commission's, the board's recommendations about police accountability. That is one of the things we heard about Mm -hmm. from the expert panels who spoke. Um, I mean, I was pleased in general with the expert panel on police accountability and that um, many of those from out of our state and out of our CCRB felt that our commission was by and large a good one and a good model, and they just had some suggestions to make it more apparent. Um, Staff has written, I think, a very, very detailed section on what happened and the the kinds of recommendations that some of the other cities have utilized in their CCRB efforts. So we're taking a look at all of those. Um, Land use has also obviously been something that a number of people spoke about. And your major area of your your career and your focus? Yes, it is. <laughs> Although I must say, I also came from the controller's office and mm-hmm. DEP. Right. Um, so talk about land use for a second, because that's the thing. You know, Ben has covered this top to bottom, soup to nuts. I've focused mainly in at city limits soup on to nuts. On, I'm uh, having this argument with someone whether it's soup to nuts or soup to salad. Uh, I guess it depends on how much salt you want to take in. It's <laughs> it really it's diet specific, Gail. But but back to the Car- charter commission. Uh, comprehensive planning was something that um, obviously some lawmakers and some community advocates and others wanted to see included. That was the, a discussion point in the the staff uh, preliminary report that came out this week, but what is proposed is not, I think, a comprehensive planning system, but an effort to string together better the existing systems that are there uh, in the Charter. Is that a fair rendering of what's been proposed? I would say that a comprehensive planning is something different to everybody who talks about it. Um, And What we heard was a plea, I think, for communities 
who wanted to have more information at earlier stages about what the city's thinking was for the future. Um, put in its simplest way without using my planning words. Um, and I think that one of the things that we realized is that there is a lot of information out there that does that. It's just not assembled in a way that is accessible to the people who are interested in what the plans are. So I think that's, I think that's comprehensive planning, but if you're talking about a plan that has 42 goals or I think that there wasn't a sense that that was necessary at this stage, that the comments that we heard most often were about people really wanting to be involved in knowing what was planned and being able to give input at a stage when it mattered. And I think that's what the staff has recommended. That raises interesting kind of procedural question. I'm curious, kind of what what the approach of the staff was on this. Did they did they poll the commissioners to find out areas of focus they wanted to look at, or is this the staff kind of winnowing down and now the commissioners get to look at it? And you know, if there's an area of focus, whether it's comprehensive planning or democracy vouchers or um, getting rid of borough presidents or any of the other you know topics that have been discussed, mm-hmm. the commissioners want to kind of put back on the table. Is there room in the process to do that, or have we winnowed um, and there's kind of no turning back? Well, I think it would be hard to add something new. I mean, if we came, if, if someone came up with something really new that we had never considered, we would certainly look at it. But the way in which this process worked was that in the very beginning, we met with each one of the commissioners um, to, for them to give us their ideas of where they thought charter revision should look and analyze and make change. So that was the very beginning of the process. Uh, After we had the public hearings, we had another round and the, the commissioners voted on the five criteria by which they would winnow down this big list, which included all of their ideas. Some of my cherished ones were gone. Interesting, like what? Yeah. No, 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 no. Oh, this. Oh, those are. Oh, you're, those are all private conversations. All right. Um, so, uh, on the budget, on on budget matters, um, where are we heading on on that? Well, the th- the three items that the staff recommended for further review are impoundment, um, um, units of appropriation, and the actually this for the rainy day fund. The creation of one, although we can't actually do it by ourselves. We need Albany. And the last is the revenue forecasting. Mm -hmm. Um, I think for most people, those are pretty weedy items. Yes. Yes, definitely. So, so I guess, generally speaking, on both land use and city budgeting, two of the you know most important, uh, significant aspects of city governance. Right now, the commission's approach is maybe some some tweaking, some tinkering, but probably not any sort of sweeping uh, overhaul or changes to those two major processes. Is that a fair way to say it? I think it's fair to say that the commission, in their thinking and listening thinks that that approach 
that you describe in those areas is what's needed. I mean, what we heard, because the other thing the commission decided in the beginning was that if something, if a proposal could be done by local law and legislation or by rule um, or by executive order, it was not something that Charter Revision Commission would take up. Right. So a lot of the issues that came up with procurement, for instance, and the budget were things that the council has in the past done by local legislation and that the mayor has done by rule. So they weren't really appropriate for charter. Mm -hmm. They didn't require a charter revision in order to implement them. You mentioned that the 89 revision kind of fundamentally reset the balance of power in the city uh, among uh, between the mayor and the council for the most part. And uh, one of the questions, I think, kind of the 15,000-foot question about this this year's Charter Revision or these past two years' Charter Revision Commission is uh, whether it would do something similar. And so when you pull back, I mean, be, even beyond Ben's question, pull back totally and look at where the staff report is pointing this commission now, would you see it as altering in any meaningful way the balance of power overall between the mayor and the council or among the mayor and the council and the borough presidents and community boards? Or are we basically playing with the cards we've had, but just by some refined rules? Well, I think that there are proposals from the staff that seek to rejigger the balancing um, between the mayor and other elected officials. Um, I don't know where they... They will go, but I think that there are certainly proposals that do that. And one of those things that seems to still be on the table is this idea of doing some more independent budgeting for certain offices. Um, where do you is is that somewhere you see um, things heading in a direction where certain offices? And we'll have to make this the last question, unfortunately, and get you back another time. But um, is is independent budgeting for certain city offices somewhere that that we're headed? Well, I certainly think that it would have some of the effects that you're talking about if that occurred. I don't know, as one person out of the 15, it's difficult for me to say how the other members at this moment would vote for each one of them. And I don't think there's a uniform viewpoint on that. But you're going to look at it a little... A little uh, I think we're going to look right. at it... A little further. More yeah. than a little. <laughs> a lot further. All right. Well, we're going to um, say goodbye for now. Gail Benjamin, chair of the 2019 New York City Charter Revision Commission, we thank you for going over some of the highlights of how you've done your work so far with the commission, um, which is only partway through its work, of course, and the staff report that came out this week with some highlights as to where the commission will continue to dig in. Folks should obviously find the hearing coming up in their borough or whichever borough they want want to get to a hearing in and uh, and let it be known what they think uh, and where the, the commission should head. Thanks for the time. Thank you very much. I was glad to be on. If you want me to come back, I'm happy to come back. And I urge people to go to the website if they have comments. Or if you get comments from people, I'd be happy to address them. Perfect. Sounds good. Thank you. Okay. Thank you so much. We'll be right back.
And we're back on Max and Murphy on WBAI 99.5 FM. Jarrett Murphy and Ben Max coming at you from Brooklyn. Just heard from Gail Benjamin, the chairwoman of the uh, Charter Revision Commission, which has issued its staff recommendations this week. Ben, anything you gleaned from that conversation? Well, I, I do think that one of the key takeaways here is that they're not going to propose any type of major overhaul of how city government functions, works, any significant shifting of the balance of powers. Now, significant shifting is different than slight shifting. And so there are some things that seem to be moving forward that would shift different powers, at least slightly. And then, of course, this idea of ranked choice voting seems to be something that people have been clamoring for. That's important. That's not necessarily shifting the balance of power. So that's a little bit different. That's an electoral process. So that's significant. But in terms of really the structure of city government, some of these big processes, it seems like they're not doing anything too aggressive. One thing that struck me, I think I agree with that totally. One thing that struck me reading the report is there are seeds planted that could set precedent for broader changes. For instance, they are going to look at whether the council should advise and consent on the appointment of the corp council. Um, and people have talked in the past about a broader advising consent function for the council akin to what Congress does with um, appointees to the president's cabinet. Um, this is just for one office, but one could say if that operates for a few years, it could be implemented more broadly. Um, a lot of mentions of subpoena power and the ability to get information in the staff document, whether it's for the CCRB, uh, Civilian Complaint Review Board, or the public advocate, or even a, a measure of that discussion for borough presidents, uh, opening that up uh, more broadly and, and spreading subpoena power around. So it's true yeah, that nothing, uh, all of those are, are fairly modest, but they, they open the door a crack to maybe the Charter Revision Commission of a few years from now that might look at something broader. Certainly, and, and those are more along the lines, again, yeah, of, of some of those slight shifts that, that could have significant impact when you talk about any specific policy item that's moving forward or land use decision. You know, these are things certainly, or oversight functions, you know, these are certainly things that can matter in the day-to-day functions of city government and uh, and even beyond. You know, it was interesting you brought up this idea, and we spent obviously some time on the show previously, this idea of requiring a comprehensive city plan. They're not heading in that direction. Some other big proposals like requiring a chief diversity officer in city government is not moving forward, although they are moving forward on examining the role of um, minority women-owned business contracting and who has power over that and whether they should put a requirement in the charter that that has to be under a deputy mayor. You know, there's so there's some, again, some sort of tweaks along the lines of what some people have been pushing, but the sweeping proposals are uh, not there. And I thought uh, the issue you just brought up about it, the council having advice and consent powers on uh, nominees by the mayor is was certainly something very interesting that the city council had put in its recommendations, you know, something like having to approve a nominee for NYPD commissioner. That was very interesting, but that is not something that's moving forward. But as you say, if they do go beyond the Department of Investigation commissioner, which is currently the only appointee from the mayor that needs to be approved by the council, it will be very interesting to see if that opens the door to further creep in that direction. One thing that struck me, I think there were 24, 25 recommendations uh, by the staff, and many of them encompassed a few different policy ideas, so it's not like that's, that's the full list. But it was interesting to me that 
they cover you know a broad swath of city government budgeting land use but that so many focused on the civilian complaint review board and I think a lot of your reporting kind of predicted that was fascinating to me and I wonder if I mean some of the changes are um, very kind of wonky and um, and delicate Um, but the CCRB over the course of modern New York political history has been something that gets people fired up and I wonder sometimes if or I wonder going forward if that might actually draw more attention to this process than would otherwise exist if the police unions see this as something they want to fight and throw some money in the game. Very good point. And on on the other side of the equation is whether that's going to fire up some activists. You know, obviously, police accountability activism has really been heightened over the last several years. It's been an ongoing issue, of course, for forever. But, um, you know, there's really been a lot of attention to it after Eric Garner's death and and so on. Um, And so that those types of recommendations actually could lead to quite a bit of attention on both sides. So, we've heard from Gail Benjamin, who is the chair of the Charter Revision Commission, and now we're going to hear from Carol Kellerman, who most recently was, for about 10 years, the president of the Citizens Budget Commission, is an expert on all things New York government at both the state and the city level and and beyond. Uh, And Carol's going to join us now with some of her perspective on what she has seen in the staff recommendations to the Charter Commission. Uh, Carol, thanks for joining us here on Max and Murphy. Happy to be here. So you wrote a column for us at Gotham Gazette um, in March, giving some advice to this Charter Revision Commission. Recap for us and for listeners a little bit of what you were telling the commission to do and not do. The The main thrust of the, of the column was to remind the commission that they should really do no harm. Exactly. Um, it was the, col- the column was a follow-up to the testimony that I gave uh, at the commission a few days before, in which I basically said that um, charter revision should be limited to addressing core powers, structures, and processes of government. So it should focus on how decision-making is done, not on what the substantive decisions are, and that anything that increases efficiency, accountability, and transparency of those core powers, structures, and processes is appropriate for at least consideration um, for inclusion in the charter, but that basically our charter, as significantly revised in 1989, is working quite well, and with respect to the areas that um, I and my former organization, Citizens Budget Commission, focus on concerning budgeting and overall governance, um, these, these things should really not be tampered with unless there's a very good reason. And so, yes, my my counsel to them was, first, do no harm. And how do you think, looking at what the staff has recommended to the commissioners, and obviously they'll consider it beyond this point, so far, how are they doing uh, against that yardstick? Are they focusing their attentions in the appropriate places? Well, again, um, limiting myself to the areas that... Um, I feel I know something about, which are not the areas um, that you were just talking about, like police reform or um, land use, Um, it could have been a lot worse. I mean, there were some um, much more potentially disruptive ideas that were circulated before this 
report came out, um, I still don't think many of the ideas discussed are necessary. Um, but I do very much appreciate the inclusion of a recommendation that the city try to create a rainy day fund, um, which is something that I and the Citizens Budget Commission recommended that would be something appropriate for a charter. I wish that they would also have included what we requested in terms of the retiree health benefit trust, um, but I do think that having a rainy day fund with appropriate rules for when money must be deposited and limits on when it can be withdrawn um, is a, is a, would be a good initiative and appropriate for a charter. Some of the other things um, I was disappointed in. Um, in particular, I, um, I think that creating what they are now calling independent budgets for a long list of agencies and elected officials is, is a very uh, bad idea that will um, impede the ability of the mayor and the council to decide on how taxpayer dollars are spent. And so I was sorry that that continues to be included, but I also know that it's strongly advocated by borough presidents and the public <laughs> advocate's office. Right. So I'm not surprised that it continues to be there. Right. And and just to be clear for everyone, you know, as we said with uh, Gail Benjamin, the, the chair of the commission, um, you know, the staff report that's put forward is, is where they're helping guide the commissioners as they continue to process information and consider possible proposals to put before the voters. So there's a chance that uh, you'll be able able to influence them and others will be able to influence them further and, and knock off some of these things. I mean, it's it's very unlikely that everything in the staff report will lead to proposals to change the charter on the ballot in November. So um, there's certainly likely some things included for further consideration that won't wind up in, in budget. That's certainly the way the report was written. I do. I think it was very well written. Mm -hmm. And as you say, and I guess as the, as the chair said, um, it's, a, it's an interim report for its own. It, it, it's winnowed down a much larger list to a smaller list, um, but these are um, these are things that the staff has decided they think should continue to be considered. So I think that um, there's some strength to them now, um, and that things that people feel strongly should be left out. That now is the time to get in there and explain why. I also said that I urged them to not have very lengthy um, recommendations. And so if you if you try to keep everything, you know, in these four buckets to one page a bucket and you think about the voters looking at revision proposals, keeping them short, I think is important and that would require eliminating um, many more of the, the ideas that are in the report. You know, it's an 80-page report, so there's there's quite a, a lot right. still uh, under consideration. Right, and a lot, and fo you know, folks should skim the report if they can. Well, there's obviously news coverage um, at Gotham Gazette and elsewhere of some of what the report includes, um, but it has a lot of background information, historical information, etc. And that's a very interesting point about what should be put for voters to consider ahead of time, uh, ahead of voting in November, and then what will actually wind up on the ballot it will be very interesting to see what that language looks like. That's always somewhat controversial on ballot proposals is exactly how 
the yes no questions are framed for voters um, and which uh, things are bundled together right um, and it, as you were saying it's another way of saying the devil is in the details so while for example it's very encouraging to see the suggestion that the commission consider more in more detail creating a rainy day fund it does have to have rules for its use and depending on how those rules are written it could be a good proposal or it could not be right. so there is a lot more work that the commission needs to do to fill in the, the details on on many of these things and just generally speaking um your general stance as an expert on the city budget is that more or less the, the the budget process that the city engages in each year is solid is is you know is yeah. the right one um, New York City because of the fiscal crisis has many more constraints and rules uh, about its budget process than really any place else in the country um, we have to follow generally accepted accounting principles most places don't they can just operate on a cash basis. We have the emergency, emergency Financial Control Board that has to sign off on our budget. We also have a special deputy state controller whose sole purpose is to review our budget as well as our own controller and the independent budget office. And there is a very specific process for the mayor to submit a preliminary budget, for the mayor to submit an executive budget, for the council to respond, um, and a lot of rules about to, to try to avoid um, borrowing for operating purposes, to try to avoid gimmicks that don't really present a, a true picture of the city's fiscal health. So it operates extremely well, I think. Well, and, and it seems like the Charter Commission thinks so, too, considering that they're not proposing any sweeping uh, sweeping changes. Jared, did you want to ask? Yeah, I wanted to ask you. You were talking about the, you know, the importance of how the questions are written, how they're bundled, and just want to pull back and ask about a topic that came up with with Gail earlier, which is the timing of the vote and the question about turnout in this off year election year. And obviously, there are, there are ways that this commission is constrained. But what do you think about that? About choosing for Corey Johnson, others who who initiated this process, choosing timing that's going to have a vote on, you know, at least what appears to be an important set of potential changes in what is almost certain to be a non turnout year. Or do you think that that undermines the democratic legitimacy of this? What do you think the the intersection between those two is? Well, um, I think that they did it in somewhat of a reactive mode. That since the mayor had his own commission last year, you know, they just said let's do it the following year. Um, all things being equal, you you have a good point that it will be a very low turnout election, and so. Only people who really are paying attention um, and are, are, you know, are being good citizens will participate. That could be good or it could be bad. I don't know. But um, I, I, I think that the, the type of things being proposed um, are not so dramatic that you would say, oh, it really must be postponed for another year. Um, and, and, you know, I, I understand why they wanted to have it come up 
you know, as soon as they're finished deliberating. Let me ask another another big thinky question. You mentioned earlier that the, one of the reasons you didn't want to see um, anything too dramatic coming out of this commission was that you feel the current charter is working well. And just talk about why you feel that. What's the evidence that it is? I mean, to some degree, it's our world. It's kind of always hard to figure out what another world might look like. How do we know that the charter is working well? Well, okay. First of all, I, I, again, I'm limiting myself to the way our budget and basic governance operates, not the other many topics that were included where I think there's a lot of um, discontent in other areas that I can't really speak authoritatively about. Also, while the charter is working well, it's 300 pages long. There's a lot of stuff in there that is irrelevant, outmoded, and I would have wished that the commission would also take on the job of cutting and eliminating things. And, you know, you could very easily just have a charter recommendation that says the following sections will be deleted, and you could just clear out the clutter Mm. and make this closer to what it's supposed to be, like a constitution. So there are things about it that need to be changed, but again, the bottom line is look at how our budget works. It grows, but not at any sort of crazy pace. It's Even though we have some volatile revenue sources, we operate in a fairly steady and stable budget environment. Um, the council holds hearings and gets to be heard, and modifications are made in response to the council's concerns. We have all of these monitors every year. They all come out with their analysis, and they tend to say pretty much the same things, which are then taken into account. I think that OMB operates in a very professional way. The council has a budget staff that's professional. They have the the independent budget office. Um, So I think that, you know, that process works very well. And while, yes, they're not making any dramatic suggestions in this staff report, there are a number of tweaks to the budget process, which I think as a group are of concern. Because, you know, again, I would say be cautious about unintended consequences and why tinker with something that seems to go well. We don't have late budgets. You know, it all works pretty well. So changing that, um, you know, taking the council and the mayor's responsibility for making budget decisions away by giving agencies and officers automatic budgets is, I think, something that could really have over the long run a dramatic effect in, in in basically taking a lot of revenue off the table for the government for the elected uh, policymakers to make spending decisions about so so that one concerns me but I just look at the way government operates and services are provided and the, the, the responsibilities are divided up and basically I don't think we have any sort of dramatic problems 
So we're talking with warrant, you know, dramatic changes in the overall governance structure of city government. We're talking with Carol Carolman, recently uh, the president of the Citizens Budget Commission uh, and an expert on city budgeting, and discussing with us a little bit of her reactions to the staff report from the 2019 Charter Revision Commission, especially as it relates to general structures of government and city budgeting issues. Um, last couple of minutes here, Carol, I just wanted to get your reaction on, on, I guess, two other things. The budget, you know, there has been a lot of consternation around how quickly the budget, the city budget has grown under Mayor de Blasio. Does that give you any um, inkling that, that there should be more controls put into place, perhaps, by a charter commission about um, how quickly the city budget can grow? Or is that really just about the city council uh, taking more responsibility to limit how much the mayor is, is increasing the budget? Well, th- well, Ben, that's exactly why I think it's important to have a rainy day fund. Mm-hmm. So that's a control, and that is a way to force, you know, give, depending on what your criteria are, but when revenue growth is over a certain amount, instead of allowing that it all be spent, that some of it has to go into the fund. Um, I Also, again, it's why I advocated that they have similar rules included in the charter for the Retiree Health Benefit Trust, because that is... Retiree health benefits is a huge liability that we do not have the funds to pay. So both of those things, I think, are worthy of putting in um, in the charter as a way to control growth and spending. But frankly, the other things that are being talked about are not likely to generate control. They're likely to generate more spending. Mm. Okay, so you know there 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 are some issues here like, you know, um, revenue forecasting and, and making the mayor defer to an outside source about revenue forecasting, um, timing of budget modifications. Those things um, and the independent budgeting are, are likely to result in more spending, not less, and take away the ability of the mayor's budget office to exercise restraint because the political process is such that if you say there's more money, it's very hard not to spend it. And so I don't think the things being discussed in this staff report to change the budget process, except for the rainy day fund, will lead to control. Um, That's just, you know, that has not been historically the way that the council looks at its role. All right, we're going to have to leave it there. Uh, you can find Carol Kellerman's columns at Gotham Gazette, and uh, she wrote one with some guidance for the Charter Revision Commission, which is still applicable, of course, as the commission continues its work. And we thank you, Carol, for joining us with some reaction to the staff report, and we will talk with you again soon. Thanks for having me.
This is Ben Max from Gotham Gazette with Jarrett Murphy from City Limits. Jarrett, last couple minutes, we heard from Gail Benjamin. We heard from Carol Kellerman with her sort of outside watchdog perspective. Uh, takeaways here. This Charter Revision Commission considered some sweeping stuff. The staff report largely avoids that, but does uh, poke its, its fingers into <laughs> a lot of parts of city life. It sounds like a little more than uh, Carol Kellerman would have preferred, um, but she was obviously glad that they avoided any significant uh, changes. You know, I think it, it, a lot of the approach to this commission, whether you're thinking about the city's democracy, whether you're thinking about how it does land use, even budgeting to some degree, criminal justice reform too, whether you thought sweeping change was necessary or not really depended, as one might expect, on where you where you sit. You know, folks who have been through uh, rezonings that they find to be unjust or, or who are really concerned about climate change and what it means for waterfront communities and how we've not really thought about that, see a crisis for which the current land use system is not well equipped. Uh, people who think that the low turnout we've had um, in city elections fundamentally undercuts the vibrancy and legitimacy of a democracy, think that uh, broad changes are needed. Those who feel as though the city has more or less been managing itself well, uh, not only aren't appetite, don't have an appetite for that, they actively don't want to see it because they think it will make things needlessly complicated or mess things up. So I think it really depends on um, where, you're, where you're starting the conversation from. So it'll be interesting to see from here on out what the next round of hearings indicates and folks should go and make their voices heard. Um, and then where they really head on the specific proposals. It'll be very interesting to see how this staff report then gets winnowed down further into those actual ballot proposals. And that's really the, bex- the next big step is the commissioners then deciding really where they're going to create proposals around. Um, I think that the fact that they put some of the biggest recommendations from folks on the sidelines is very interesting and telling. I think around land use especially, you know, that's, that's very significant, whether it's comprehensive planning or perhaps giving community boards and borough presidents more power, um, you know, that those things are not moving forward, uh, particularly interesting. Um, you know, I think what's going to happen is that they are going to pursue ranked choice voting, and I think they are going to pursue some things related to police accountability, and both of those will probably drive the turnout that we do see. I think you'll get a lot of sort of election reform folks who've been pushing for ranked choice voting to really stir up folks who care about that. And then I think you'll see probably a bit of a fight over the police accountability stuff that comes through if the commission can agree on on how to recommend uh, recommend changes on, on that front. And then we'll see what other small changes get recommended that may or may not stir some people to care. And you'll hear and see that here on Max and Murphy <laughs> and certainly Gotham Gazette and to some degree on City Limits because it is the ultimate dry, wonky topic, but it is so, so important and that's exactly why we're here. So I hope you'll join us future Wednesdays at 5 p.m. on WBAI. He's Ben Max. I'm Jarrett Murphy. Have a great week in the greatest city in the world. Mm-hmm.